0: Welcome to Nerd, a podcast where we geek out on a different nerdy subject every month. It's one part reminiscence, one part historical deep dive, all nerd. Today's subject, the hit Nintendo Entertainment System game Punch-Out, or, as we knew it growing up, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. The 17th best-selling NES game of all time was a huge part of the host's childhood, even being an origin story for one. We'll go over the game's amazing history and give insight into how to be a better boxer, including what type of music to listen to. Spoiler, it isn't Beethoven. Special thanks to Sidekick42 for providing the amazing NES homage artwork for today's episode. All right, let's ring the bell and start the show.
1: Nerd! (laughs) That's That's our show now. We changed the name. We're ripping off Facebook, you know, drop the shut up, just nerd. Well, I think it really also comes down to the fact that somebody had shut up and they hadn't been using it. Incorrect, but show
0: was shut up nerd, which was the title I suggested, and it turns out there's another podcast with that title. Now the thing is, everybody's got a podcast, there are a million titles. You can reuse the same title with, without issue, except we have. I happened to pick the title of one that was successful and weekly, and never going to beat that in SEO. The other one you were talking about there is Effing Nerd, which I'm really looking oh, forward to. Yeah. You definitely have to promote that when that comes out. That one is taken, but it's taken by someone that stopped updating in 2016. You can take that one with red. You know, fine. It doesn't matter. matter. that. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's, it's, we're nerd. Nerd. <laughs> yeah. Well, nerd is good. We're knocking it out of the park here. Of course, you may, if you're listening, you know that I am uh, Jeff May. I am uh, your co-host, along with Nerd Numbers himself, Dre Alvarez. Uh, Dre... I'm very excited to do this episode. This might be my top NES game or in, in, the, in the, the high, high top, top five. Oh, 100%. It's the game I play the most, or the second most on the NES Classic, right behind uh, Dr. Mario. Very good. It, uh, so the game we're going to be talking about today is Punch-Out!
0: <laughs> there are two versions, and we'll talk about both, rest assured. So Mike Tyson's punch out is the original, the one that I remember nostalgically from my childhood, the one that you'll play on your classic and I play on my switch is punch out, but is it is arguably the greatest boxing game ever, ever created. And you know, to anybody in the eighties, just remember it's
1: funny that we say that when it's not, but it is really, so what's a better boxing game? I think knockout Kings. And yeah, is that the, that dreamcast? Uh, I believe it came out for Xbox one or the not like the first Xbox I know is what I had it on. So in that regard, I'm going to guess that I think it was an EA game before they lost most of the licenses because they were chasing Madden the whole time. But Punch Out is, I would say, the the granddaddy of 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 true boxing games. There were some not great ones that we had seen in the past with, you know, Atari boxing and stuff like that. But Punch Out starting as a smash arcade hit moving to an nes game where they licensed mike tyson for it that license went out uh and then we got punch out i believe that was uh, originally released as punch out when they did when nes did some re-releases it was the same time that they released zelda and zelda 2 in the gray cartridges it was like the top their top list of games and it was punch out and I remember Punch-Out! was no longer Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! And people were like, why? And everyone was like, eh, it's because he's a rapist. And that well, was not technically the reason why. Well, it's, it's fascinating. One thing that's
0: amazing about this game, and there is so much, but let's, let's start on the Mike Tyson part. So we'll, we'll talk game development history. But Mike Tyson himself, this is wild to me, because they got a license to Mike Tyson for $50,000. They did. And what happened is when they were, when they were coming up with the concept for a boxing game, Mike Tyson wasn't yet Mike
1: Tyson. I mean, he was, it was obvious, right? I mean, he had a bunch of like. Yeah, he, under... was, he was, he was, still, he wasn't the champion, Mike Tyson, but yeah, he, that's still a huge deal.
0: So he was obviously on his way up. And so they grabbed him before he was able to, you know, would have commanded, you know, in, in, in a year or two, if they had approached him. He would have been like, "You need to give me in the millions for this," yeah. but they got him at fifty thousand when he was still on his way up. To your point, they have like a three-year contract with him, and I don't recall if it was before Buster Douglas; it was born before- after. But there were definitely behind-the-scenes rumblings. For instance, with
1: his wife, there were off-the-court issues that were coming up. The Robin and they- Givens interview that we that is so infamous. Yeah.
0: So. That stuff was coming on and they, they were wise enough to go, if we approach him to re-up the license, he is going to ask for a big raise. We're past the prime of the game. The game's already sold. We don't need to do it anymore. So they just dropped him and timed it perfectly. So I, I'm a
1: big sports guy. And this is one of those cases where you just time a contract perfectly and it's just remarkable. Yeah, because you, you look at it, the, the contract ends in late 1990 and we see that tyson douglas was february 11th 1990. so really and then you started to see the decline because you know tyson ended up going to jail he had gone through such a nightmare with his his divorce with robin gibbons and everything like that so there's a lot of reasons why it just made sense for nintendo not to re-up the license they would have been stupid if they did to be honest but just timing both of those perfectly is remarkable. I have a, a random just boxing question because I was
0: looking this up. Mike Tyson is really short. He's even referred to himself as that. And I was, I was kind of confused because normally when you look at sports athletes, if you look at any of the major athletic ones, so I'm a huge basketball fan, mm-hmm. if you go to baseball and you go to hockey, you can see normal looking guys. And the reason they're normal looking is because they have sticks. You know, They, they basically are allowed to supplement natural ability with, with other stuff. But Mike Tyson is 5'10 and mm-hmm. 220. Because one thing I'm going to comment on when we get into punch out itself is little max size and the hilarity of the different weight classes and how this, this boxing league makes no sense. But Mike Tyson himself is, is somewhat of an anomaly because when I was looking up a lot of the contemporary top boxers that hold titles, most of them are over six feet. You know, some of them are, are basketball players, six, 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 seven, super long.
1: Arm. Yeah. I mean, look at like Lennox Lewis, I think is probably a, a paramount example of, of giants in the heavyweight division. Here's what I'm going to tell you watch a Mike Tyson fight from the 80s and see how many straight punches he throws it's barely any he is a hook fighter he's a power fighter he's what we call an in fighter he gets in on you he does that peekaboo style his hands are up and he would he would move really fast so you might have been taller but you couldn't land on him he gets inside you and once Mike Tyson was inside you once he was (laughs) pardon the phrasing but once he's inside your guard somebody my height is at a massive disadvantage like i had a huge problem fighting in fighters like i'm 6'4. when i would have somebody come up if i was say fighting somebody five nine i knew that i had to keep distance and i did my first my fight in the golden gloves dude was five nine 196 pounds all right that's not nothing i knew that i had to keep my distance because and i did end up losing because he threw a wild hook directly into my face Those power shots from people that have such a lower center of gravity, but still that muscle mass, Tyson perfected power shots. He used his entire body to throw these shots. He was un un, unshakable. Just I still YouTube Mike Tyson knockout shots because they're just so absolutely dominant. I, I will say on the YouTube front, watching boxing fights like even Muhammad Ali,
0: people that break them down, those are a real sink that you got to be careful on, on YouTube, just cause you're like, I'm not even a huge boxing guy. The only boxing I cared about was Mike Tyson. Cause of Mike Tyson's punch out and the Rocky movies, which yeah. that's something Jeff, but it's
1: so easy to just get caught up and watch this, watch that. They're remarkable. But if you ever get a chance to watch Marvin Hagler versus Tommy Hearns, if you have a, a chance to watch that, that is one of the greatest things that you could ever watch on YouTube. It's three rounds and it's the three greatest rounds in 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 boxing. Awesome.
0: I got a, a follow-up question on the, yeah. the height stuff. Then on that. So we'll, we'll talk why, but in the game, your little Mac, he is listed according to Wikipedia sites, etc., as five, seven, 107 pounds. Is that weight discrepancy? Is, is there any chance that a fighter like of that size could be competing against heavyweights? no and
1: knocking them down or surviving even one hit from some of these guys no 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 because what you're you're really looking at 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 that point in time that's below featherweight so what is that flyweight i honestly don't even know what the i honestly don't even know what the uh, yeah so that would be flyweight he's a flyweight these are guys that you know if they're gonna fight somebody like 220 pounds I don't know, like, because they're not going to be doing much damage, I guess, against a heavyweight. You might be able to outlast them Ali style, but in realistic world, no. Like, not when somebody is twice your weight and also a trained fighter.
0: You could, in theory, win on points if you never got hit. But, of course, the premise of the game is you're able to survive up to three knockdowns, which is uh, clearly not the case.
1: Yeah, yeah. You could win a decision. Yeah, you could win on points. But, man, just one, one connect would be just brutal and I mean I'm sure there's um, somebody might say something in the comments like oh you know here's a video of a flyweight boxer going up against a 200 pound man or something sure okay but in reality not my Tyson in his prime for sure but it is funny because my my brother and I used to play this game all the time even after NES was long gone we used to play this game and we would like switch off controllers you know over who gets to do do what you know play who you know, this was when I was in college and when I started boxing and I was competing and he was like, he was like, do yourself a favor and throw a big fat uppercut and get punched in the face 32 times before you go down. Uh, which is a, he's like, just go up and go like, <laughs> and <laughs> then block it, do an uppercut and get hit 32 feet. Fa- Cause that was the Don Fomenico. Oh so, yeah. Fomenico, the one you, if you you'd, over, you'd left be able right. to switch out left and right 32 times and he'd go down. Wow, you've got the count remembered which actually okay i i want
0: to take a slight step back on the off chance anybody i would be shocked if anybody clicked on a jeff may nerd podcast title punch out and wasn't aware but if you're not punch out is a game released in 1987 you already said some of this originally an arcade game we're talking about the nintendo entertainment system game you play as little mac a scrappy street fighter who's been picked up by a former heavyweight champion you know you need all this backstory in old nintendo games of course you are fighting your way through three different divisions. I should remember them, but they're WB-based, whatever. So you you kind of fight through a... It's the a
1: lit- minor, major world circuits. Okay. And then and there's those, another world circuit.
0: If you, once you've completed the game, right?
1: Well, no, it's like
0: a secret code. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, we'll definitely talk codes. So that's the basic premise. You're, you're trying to fight to be world champion. The ultimate get is Mike Tyson, who was a last-second pickup, because this game... Originally Super Macho Man, not Savage, just Super Macho Man. I wonder if they had to pay any royalties for that. But he used to be the last boss based on the arcade cabinet. He was the last boss in the second arcade cabinet because what's somewhat wild, which we will get to, is this game is perfect in that it is the combination of two eras of video game in a very weird way because it straddles the arcade boom and the console boom. And as a software developer, it speaks a lot to me because so much software is you build one thing to do one thing and they come back and go, Hey, can you use it for something else? Like, I guess it wasn't built for that. The, in the movie Tron, where the super evil computer used to be a chess program, that's more realistic than you would think coders reuse code all the time. So very much speaks to, you know, taking something built for the arcade and bringing it to the home market
1: is hilarious. And, and I'm sure we'll get to some of that. Yeah, it, it's great. The I knew of the NES game. By the way, very important to know the NES game was released on my birthday, on my sixth birthday. You said something about getting Zelda for a birthday. Did you get this for a birthday? Or was I Jedi got this for played? Christmas in 1987. Not bad. That uh, is that is that's a good one. I'm yeah. Jealous. And that's and my brother and I got stuck on King Hippo for like a while because we couldn't figure out
0: his hack. Even though when we're talking we were kind of talking. One thing that makes this game great is it. It is very similar to real. Maybe you'll tell me how accurate I think, but the boxers do have tells and stuff. And King Hippo's definitely got the one where he raises his hand up and opens his
1: mouth, and that's your tell to hit him in the mouth. Yeah, but when you're six, it's a lot harder. Like all the other, all the other people, it was much more of like a. You got to figure out when to get out of the way, and you could just hit them whenever you needed to. But we couldn't figure out what way to land on him it took us a while and then eventually we got through it nintendo power which was the
0: magazine that told everybody how to beat games oh yeah essentially came out in response to legend of zelda punch out and super punch outs it's it's weird It's all goes punch out super punch out mike tyson's punch out in that order so the first two are arcade. then this this came out kind of at the start of the nintendo era and this was kind of before guides so I actually went through some of the first couple of Nintendo powers to see what it says to do. And there's like a question to the editor about how to beat Mike Tyson. They're like, I can't beat Mike Tyson. They're like, just don't get hit. And you can win. It's like, well, yeah. technically that is true.
1: That is not useful. It's it's not like a full guide with maps or diagrams, yeah. et cetera. No, because because it's it's pattern recognition. And how do you... How do you tell how is a magazine article going to be about pattern recognition? It's not going to be the same. Like it it just won't. You kind of like figure it out. Here are your tells. And I remember there were like stills where it would be like when the gem flashes, that means like I remember going through Nintendo powers and reading that. It's also why I remember the another world circuit is because I remembered the code. I was also going to say that one of the pieces of information that I have carried with me my entire life is 0073735963, which is the code to get straight to Tyson. And oh three oh oh one oh eight seven three six is the code to get super macho man.
0: That is that don't you love, I'm in the same boat where you just have like random stuff from childhood
1: memorized. You're like this, there is nothing good in this, but. I can rem I memorize it by tone. Like, uh, oh my goodness. Like, like I, 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 cause I used to like speed enter the code, uh, the 073735963. I used to be like, and people would be like, holy shit, how'd you do that so fast? Like that was my speed run was just entering the code to get to Tyson.
0: So in terms of your history, you're saying you got it uh, as a Christmas gift right after your sixth birthday, which again, super jealous. You're the coolest. I don't remember how I got it, but this was a game I remember owning. And I re- here's what's annoying. My babysitter's husband had a bunch of the codes and I kept asking him for it. He kept taking forever. And I was hoping for the one I needed to know, Jeff, to get the Mike Tyson code. He only had up to super macho man. And I was like, I don't want to, and I, I don't think I was able to get by him as a kid. So I remember being very upset. I'm like, I want to fight Tyson. I can't, I don't want to do this, but I do remember owning the game, playing it a lot. And this is one I revisited.
1: Let me ask you this. Did you beat this as a child? I beat this as a teenager, but I did mm-hmm. not beat it when I, I did not beat it in my first run. And that was primarily because I was too young. It's hard. It's a hard one. It's yeah. I don't think your motor skills are necessarily that there when you're six. You know, like you're still figuring out and video games were still relatively new in the system that we were using. It's not like today where kids were born in it, and molded by it, you know, but I did end up finally beating him when I was a teenager. You know, when I did my second run through and and that's when you start to realize things like Super Macho Man's not that hard, but the Sandman is is just he's so hard. The one tell on the Sandman. So let, let me give a
0: few shout outs. First, a lot of what we're going to be talking about history is the gaming historian YouTube channel, which is fantastic. It's, this is one of those cases where for Zelda, I collected a bunch of links and was like, here, I did the homework. And this is one where I like found another nerd and was like, I'm just copying. I'm not even gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Now I read Wikipedia and other stuff, but I'm saying like it, this was the first place I found all of the information consolidated. I'll put a link, you know, I put some show notes up for the last one. But there was, I think his like Crab was the guy's name. I can't remember the full name, but I found a really good YouTube tutorial about how to beat the different bosses. And the one thing on Mr. Sandman, I would agree mis- the, the last three bosses, Mr. Sandman, Super Macho Man, and Mike Tyson. Sandman was the boss of the first arcade cabinet. Super Macho Man was the boss of the second arcade cabinet. Of course, Mike Tyson is the boss of that. They are, are clearly and expectedly the hardest, the one tell on Super on uh, Sandman is he puts his hands together and that's when you know you need to dodge. And if you do that, the, the fight's actually pretty easy. But it, 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 it is a very quick one, you have a very
1: small window. Yeah, he, he's, he's a tough one. Also, the second Don Flamenco, just a brutal monster. It's funny because when we're talking
0: weights, he's one of the lower weighted boxers. And in the second one, he's just an Iron Man, he's very rocky, right? It's, it's yeah. he's not super hard, he just you knock him down. He gets back up. You have to really, really hit him to knock him down. He is really, really stingy with the stars. They, they are there, but even some of the walkthroughs, the, the early ones, yeah. you know, the, 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 the newbie ones, because the expert ones are much different. But the newbie walkthroughs are very much going, if you aim for the star here, you really run the risk of getting hit. If you just play at safe, you're going to win this fight in two rounds, no problem. But I would agree. He's the one that is, is kind of unforgiving. And if you kind of get on tilt, you get, you get knocked once and you kind of lose your, your pattern.
1: Like, he'll lock you down just because you, you missed, if you missed yeah. the pattern. He'll get you down. And that's, that's something to know about this game is how, how pattern-based it is. And they really do a good job of, I think, sort of just increasing it just by enough each guy. Because, like, for example, when you're in the minor circuit, you're giving Glass Joe and he's a tomato can, you know, and you just go to town on him. And then Von Kaiser, he has a, he's a bit more rhythm-based, but also incredibly easy. You can figure out you know you stun him with a straight punch and then you give him a a, a star punch or an uppercut as he and you know he does that and then you just send him right down and then piston honda you get your first like okay this is a little bit harder and then it keeps getting it's you know the the major circuits a bit more gimmicky but it's it, it's a good example of of the gradual difficulty growing which i not every not every video game at the time has done. Super Mario Brothers doesn't have, e- like, it's not the exact increase in difficulty that one would expect. But one thing that Super Mario Brothers and this
0: game as well, which both had Sugiro Miyamoto on them, mm-hmm. they do have what you were saying, like, a good tutorial stage. Because that the whole purpose of Glass Joe and Von Kaiser are exactly what you're saying. Glass Joe is a tutorial level. I mean, I remember in the StarCraft game, there's a tutorial level you can skip. But it's just like, you're just going to learn the controls. You're going to learn to mine. You're going to learn to move characters. You're going to learn to right click. You learn all that there. Glass Joe is clearly there for you to learn the controls if you need them. Von Kaiser, what you're saying, he has a tell, but what's key about his tell is he, he doesn't stop it. So other, other boxers, for instance, Mike Tyson at the very end will blink for, I think, two seconds. And if you hit him right at the beginning, you can get a star or sometimes knock him down. But if you wait too long, he just lands a haymaker on you and you go down. So Kaiser teaches you, okay, here's a tell. You can take advantage of it and get a star. And then later bosses go, okay, well, there's a tell, but you're not going to get as long. So that is a fascinating thing about older game design. And we were kind of talking this about arcade versus home system, where the arcade model was get you to keep wasting quarters. So the original game was you play for a minute around with each boxer. You just cycle. So you it, they, they just, the, the AI gets slightly better each time through. And I, I didn't read anything. I didn't go deep enough to see if there's like a kill screen on the original, on the original punch out, but that's the strategy. Whereas this one was supposed to be kind of enjoyable, progressively harder. So Mm -hmm. in some way that's, like I said, what, what I'll I'll actually start talking a little bit of the history. So for those that don't know, Nintendo was a game company. They got into small handheld electronics. They got into arcade cabinets. They They got a trading card company to start. Originally like way back. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then eventually got into the home. Home console market where you know they've ruled on and off for you know my entire adult life and my (laughs) childhood. But Mike Tyson's punch out came about because Donkey Kong was such a hit in the arcades, they ordered a bunch of materials for future arcade cameras. Like, this is our business model, and then that business model crashed,
1: and they went, Well, we well. It, it I wouldn't say it crashed I would say that they were like we need to do this because Donkey Kong is so popular and they forgot that when something is really popular because it's everywhere people stop buying it because it's already everywhere so all these they kept they were buying all these extra supplies without something to supply it with without without I, I the demand dropped. So their supply increased and their demand dropped. So they had to figure out what to do with all these extra monitors. And their, their easy solution was, hey, let's just put two monitors
0: on a game. And they kind of had an interesting thing here where the technology had gotten better in arcade systems at that time to do a lot of cool stuff, but it was still limited. It's kind of funny. It's like they were able to zoom in, zoom out the exact thing that the boxes are built for all these different angles, but you were allowed one thing. So that was their constraint. They went. We can't do Donkey Kong again because you can't have a gorilla making these things and lots of things and you know lots of barrels coming down and lots of fire. You can have one thing. So what can you do? And that's when they came up with box. They had originally thought racing and that was too complicated. The uh, person I want to give credit to, let me just make sure. I think is Takeda, who and Akatawata, uh, like they're both. They're be- a lot of the people that work on this game. Huge. The person in charge of Punch Out came up with like the first game for Nintendo and later came up with the Wii. So this person, this guy's on it. Amazing. And also Shigeru Miyamoto was on this game off
1: the bench. Essentially he was just doing art. Yeah. He was just showing up as like a consultant, basically (laughs) he just showed up and he was like, all right, I guess I'm just going to do this thing now. And he did give
0: feedback on like the game design, but really what he did was design the characters. I would say there's a nice combo of him designing some very iconic characters and showing off his skills as his, As a designer, well, also just like the weird racism and
1: just like stereotypes. I mean, it's okay. So, like, you got to remember too that in a lot of these things, like stereotyping to a certain extent, it's. I think they were viewing it as archetyping, you know. It's caricature work, and it's I. I don't. It's not meant in offense. It's meant to. To to be a caricature of of certain type of people, and, and they went with boxing because Nintendo really, really wanted that stranglehold in America. And America, it was fascinated with boxing at the time. Like you got to remember too, like boxing has been incredibly popular in America for like a good 25 years at the time. Since around like since Ali really came in and pushed it and you had all these, it was like the golden age of heavyweight boxing.
0: Yeah, it's it's wild. This happened twice, by the way. We won't go too much in the rabbit hole the other, but it is wild that Nintendo caught caught this with Mike Tyson at like peak boxing. So this is like perfect timing that way. And then later, of course, it's unrelated. Mike Tyson caught wrestling at peak wrestling when he came in the Attitude Era. So Uh, when when he came. Yeah, way
1: to go, cold stone.
0: (laughs) But one thing, I don't know if you know, so I gotta throw this out there ask if you would ever do this so chris jericho they did a stage punch wrestling stage to to ruin it for you but sometimes the staging is you just get hit like people are like ah that's that that was scripted it's like yeah and the script was i get hit in the head with a metal chair yeah there's no trick trick is i got hit in the head with a metal chair chris jericho agreed to let mike tyson throw a punch straight at his face and turn it just the right moment and it looks super real even chris jericho said he got a snapshot. Would you ever agree to a stunt like that? Like Mike Tyson saying, "I'm going to take a full force punch at your head, and trust you to turn at the right moment."
1: slow force? Way. No, I mean, you can look it up. But <laughs> no, no, I would, I would, I would, I would agree to doing a kayfabe punch. Like with, fake you form, know though. where he's snapping a jab? No, well, but like a a because like you can control your your power. You you have you can make something look dominant and still not make it be dominant you know soft hands we call it i would agree to that but But i don't know if that was the case but even if that was off by a little bit if he's going fast i mean do i get a pay bump for it (laughs) i mean i would hope so right like that's the thing is mike tyson they because they described there was a person that was like trying to describe what it was like getting hit by mike tyson and the explanation was put like a, a phone book Put a yellow pages on your cheek and then swing a baseball bat into it. And that's about the force that you get from a Mike Tyson punch to the head. And don't try that at home. Right I don't it's like a horrible idea. But... <laughs> I don't want to do that. Now, granted, could I have taken it? Yes. I have a very strong chin. That was one of my benefits, but I would not be okay about it. And I would not be the same after that happened. Mike Tyson ended dude's careers. Like, that dude is wild. So, like, knowing it's coming, but trying to make it look real, and if he's throwing full power, no, I wouldn't do it. And, and But to the point you're saying, it's like, boxing was at its peak. Nintendo wanted
0: and they timed it. Like, it's just remarkable how they timed it and got it out, and the arcade system got a lot of pre- good press. It did really well. And then the funny, so the funny thing is, as mentioned, it's two monitors because they just needed supplies. So they have too much. The irony is then, the arcade business keeps going downhill. The home console business comes up. I don't think we'll have time to get to like Atari
1: crashing that with the, the buried ET game, So that's a fun story, too. Well, yeah, I mean, Atari crashed the video game system. And, and yeah, spoiler alert, for those of you that don't know, the reason that the NES is called the Nintendo Entertainment System and not video game console is because video game was a toxic phrase in 1985. Video games were considered dead. So Nintendo marketed it as a family play system. They, they threw a robot in there. Like they did everything they could to make it so that it was better and different than a video game. And, and it was some, just a video game. And in some ways, this is again, another one
0: that we can't go down, but that also helps some of like the sex of video games because moving it from the electronic section to the toy section, definitely had an impact on how it was marketed how they want who they wanted to market to what the commercials looked like that's i mean you know it would be really cool at some point in the future and i've got all the patience in the world unlike some of your listeners some point if there's a really cool advertising you know video show podcast or something (laughs) i'm
1: sure nintendo was going to come up in that so nintendo nintendo i will tell you that in the research that i have done that while nintendo actually didn't go too far out of their way they stuck with the family motif the correct answer is sega and playstation and sony they're the ones that went more of the aggressive 90s like you know i mean obviously the you know sega does went and don't and find welcome to the next level campaigns and then sony really doing these like avant-garde you know having crash bandicoot like heckle people and stuff like that like it was very weird Mari the the nes systems were they would do intense music but in reality they really stuck it with like we're for everybody look at us we're yeah. cute we're chibi <laughs> hey you should
0: do a nintendo commercial
1: look at oh, us, this. we're nintendo buy our stuff we have pikachu oh my god that's that yeah. no notes let's, buy. Just, let's film it right now I'm back to Nintendo, give
0: them that rule, film rule. No. And then, by the way, have you read the book, uh, Console Wars, about Sega versus Nintendo?
1: I have watched the documentary and I have the book and I think I follow the author on, on Twitter. I think we follow each other.
0: Oh yeah, that's fantastic about all of this. But luckily this is Nintendo at its peak right before that, where they get in before Sega and Sega takes over. Like you're saying, capitalizing on the North American market, getting in with boxing, which was incredible and 100% worked. But the, the, the as I was saying, it started, it went to the arcade and then the video game system, as you're saying, family entertainment system takes off and they want to put, they want to pour punch out to it, which makes a heck of a lot of sense. Now, the funny thing is, it's the exact opposite problem because before they had too much hardware. So they're like, let's give a lot of extra power to this game. And they go, okay, well, you could have it on the home entertainment system, but because that's not a huge arcade cabinet with multiple screens, now you have a lot less power. So in the arcade system, Little, not Little Mac, just the Challenger. By the way, for all of the great work Miyamoto did on the designs of Punch-Out, the original Challenger of the game sucks. I, I hate to say it. Well, because like, he I looks know. like a Glass Joe with green hair. Yeah, it's 100% it. Just the butt, chin, and green hair. And it's like, no. Whereas Little Mac is very iconic. I like the look of Little
1: Mac. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing about that, the, the Challenger, is it's supposed to be you. So it's not supposed to be a named character. It's supposed to be you. That's why it's the green chicken wire character. Like, you are that character as opposed to, like, you are, you know, you Little Mac is your surrogate. You know, you are a god controlling this tiny boxer's existence. But in the arcade game, it was like, you are you, and you are fighting these motherfuckers. Well, of course, in the arcade game, you're standing. It's almost perfect as an arcade game because you're standing up,
0: Miyamoto argued it needed a joystick, not boxing gloves, which is the right call. But you're standing up and even the motions you're doing with the, the joystick, you're almost doing a boxing thing. I mean, I could probably imagine doing it in the arcade. You would probably be bobbing and weaving as you are playing. Yeah. But then when it comes to the home market, they go, well, you don't have as much power. And their solution was, okay, well, we can only, we can't show the wireframe anymore. That's too much. So we can show one boxer, but how do you let the person see the tells? The whole reason there is a wireframe. So you were able to see through your boxer and see the tells their solution was, what if our character is super mini? And then they made an in story of he's the ultimate underdog. He weighs 107 pounds and he's fighting these, these huge fighters. Yeah, of course sure. they could have just made all of the fighters, you know, in the hundred, you know, they could have made them all flyweights, but I think, you know, to the point of keeping it as a boxing game, they wanted to, you know, have heavyweight archetypes and boxers that looked like
1: other boxers. Mm-hmm which i think you know we talk about how there was no no boxing gloves and that was considered better i forget what the game was i think it was title fight in 1992 that was sort of a it was by sega and it was kind of a punch-out rip in that you were playing like a green contoured character but one of the things i actually really preferred is that your you had two joysticks
0: Oh yeah, that would make.
1: A and lot of it had, and they had like, but they had like a guard on there, like a, like a sword guard that made it feel like you were wearing kind of boxing gloves, and you played it like the ways you moved the joystick were the moves. I loved that so much. I preferred that to Punch Out. Ooh, I might have to. I'm not not going to track that in an arcade cabinet
0: anytime soon. There, of course, now retro places up, but I don't know anyone nearby me that would have that. But I, mean, I would agree. Yeah, the, the two handed makes sense. As a console game, it's pretty good, but it's still not, you know, ideal there. But then that was the solution to that. We mentioned, I got to ask this, Jeff, did I miss a joke on the last podcast? I forget the commenter. someone on Twitter noted that we were talking about the restrictions that a lot of old Nintendo games had. This being Mm -hmm. one of them, right? The, the restriction being a lot of the sounds are reused. We noted that Bald Bull and Soda Popinski have the same laugh. Mm -hmm. A lot of the boxers have the same body type. You said there were four skins on the last episode. And was that an intentional joke that went over my head? Nope. It was an accidental. It was an accidental okay. joke. Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure that you weren't being super clever and I missed a joke, which I mean, is, is going to happen regardless. But uh, yeah, after, after that, someone in, in the tweets noted that you the joke either of you laughed at this, at, at Jeff saying foreskin
1: yeah, as a pain. That's like going down in 90 seconds to Mike Tyson. Whoops. It's funny too, because title fight, I remember like when I, Because I never saw Punch Out was like a rare arcade game by the time I was starting to be able to go to arcades. I grew up in a place where the only time I would run into arcade games was either at the local pizza place or when I would go on vacation at some campground that would have like, you know, two pinball machines and like a Donkey Kong and a Pac Man or something like that or an Outrun. I never saw Punch Out until like the 90s. I remember. You, you've brought up on
0: the the Ugg Fine Show with Kim because I'm I'm from the same area. I'm I'm from Denver, Colorado originally, and there was a place called Funflex, which was this giant arcade with you. I think had mini golf, had laser tag. I don't know if it had bumper cars, but you know, one of those kind of places, an entertainment center, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Interesting. It's almost like it was called that. Right. <laughs> and I do remember seeing punch out there. And ironically, when I saw it, I was so excited because I loved the game and I was like, I know how to play it. So I went on and I was like, what the hell it is, is this? not the same. We talked this with Zelda as well. The sound and music is such, is so different between version one, which in this case is arcade to, to home. We we've talked, there are transitions from Japanese games to United States. In this case, it was just arcade cabinet to home. But the home console has, you know, this great music going on in the background. I do have to give a shout out. I've got this on here, but Yukio Kanoka, I hope I'm. it's either Kanoka or Kanioka. Apologies if I'm getting it wrong. Is listed as the composer on some of the, the rabbit holes down like the Nintendo fandom sites. He is listed as kind of the pioneer of a lot of the Nintendo sounds. He trained some of the, the prolific composers that went on to do, you know, Legend of Zelda, yeah. and Dr. Mario.
1: He didn't have a didn't have a Wikipedia page. I don't I don't know why. I but, also but, would like to add that I love that they bit the the intro to the the game. The that was bit from like a what like old like news reels, right? Yeah, it, apparently. this last show up in the gaming historian. That was called
0: "Look Look Sharp B Sharp" by the Boston Pop Orchestra which was an old Gillette theme. And at least on the gaming historian video about Punch-Out, he says it usually would play in front of boxing reels. So this was a Gillette commercial sponsoring old
1: boxing fights. So it's like perfect. Yeah, it's just so funny. And it was, it really does show like, because these were old. And even if this was being developed in the 1980s, we're talking these are, this is a song from like 30 or 40 years prior. That they researched to find that information for, which I think is really rad. Because, you know, boxing reels, you're talking about stuff that was done kind of before the home television market was really popular. Yeah, first iteration. Yeah, yeah. But it's like widespread. And and like a lot of times you would see these things in movie theaters. Oh, and Nickelodeons. Oh, it (laughs) used to be. I mean, it used to be that, like, if you wanted to see the fight you would either go to the fight or go to a, a theater or even like a different arena and watch it on screen. And they, think a little bit
0: of that persisted. I think it was kind of just before me or maybe I was too young, I remember, I mean, they would do like pay-per-views in movie theaters. That's been a thing that used to happen, does happen. And I mean, that was kind of the, the boxing allure back in the day, as you're noting how it was kind of an American, you know, baseball and boxing are really nice as America's pastimes. And I would note boxing, kind of the exact thing we're saying that made it so good as an arcade game is it is so simple. It is two people, right? Mm -hmm. So it is much easier to call because even a basketball game, if you try and listen to a basketball game or a hockey game, or a soccer game, you're you're just listening for the emotion of when there's a shot or a goal.
1: You need a really good color person to be able to explain what's going on. And even then you can't really
0: follow it. You know, I, I usually just have the box score up, you know, with one of the live feeds going on and seeing what's happening and seeing the last thing. But baseball and boxing happen slow enough that you can listen to those on radio and it's huge. In the arcade one, they just have an announcer that it actually gets really old because as you noted, I mean, it's easy to do. But the color commentating is very boring because he's just saying, you know, like punch, punch, uppercut, yeah, whatever. Very boring. You replace that with, you know, the great sounds of the Nintendo and that theme song it just plays. I'm sure you could probably just do off the top of your head for like three minutes if you mm-hmm. wanted to, because you have the rest. Like you have the entire <laughs> game in your head.
1: <laughs> I do have that entire game in my <laughs> head. No game. No game is more in my head that actually that there are remixes of that song that I actually have on like running playlists.
0: Very nice. And you, you mentioned when you do boxing training, I think you said what electronica and rap or like were the no, 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 so it's it's
1: it's electronic or, 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 or disco. So it's either disco or it's EDM. And what it really comes down to is you need something with a dance beat, which is why the Rocky soundtrack is a disco album. And so you need something that you can dance to because you need that rhythm. And unfortunately, as much as in my regular life, I tend to listen more to like alternative rock, outlaw country, and hip hop. Those are the three worst types of music to listen to when you're training for a fight. Does the Punch-Out, you said remix, but just straight, does the Punch-Out theme straight work
0: as as a boxing training song?
1: Um I'm, I'm like finding the rhythm in my head right now. And maybe a little bit, but it's, it's better as like a motivational running song as opposed to an actual boxing song. It does keep that rhythm, but that... So like those like... Those might be a little bit off the they might pull that rhythm away so you're Uh, just looking for like a standard four count basically kind of yeah you need something that's gonna but I mean obviously anybody can do whatever they want it's just that what's worked for me and has also worked for literally everybody else that has (laughs) done it with me is that if you find something that you can have a continuous dance beat to you can find a rhythm and you have that in and then you know get getting weird about it you know It's not like, they find the Beethoven, (laughs) the center of the Beethoven, which in warrior is one of my like absolute least favorite things is how the guy, how God, what's his name there? Frank. Wait, is this the,
0: are you talking, there are multiple warriors. Are you talking the Mark Wahlberg one?
1: No, 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 no. Mark Wahlberg's in the fighter warrior is Joel Edgerton and, uh, and uh, what's his name there? Bane, Tom Tom Hardy, Hardy. going against each other. And uh, is this the one where they're brothers? Yes. Okay, and, so my, uh, my wife has watched this one and she liked it. I, I, I skipped this one. It's I, I a perfect, like, okay, it's a yeah, perfect movie. It's a perfect you absolutely plan. should see it. You you absolutely but Frank Grillo is plays one of the trainers and he like he keeps being like this is Beethoven. Listen to it. It's Beethoven. And it's like, oh, do you like Beethoven? Is that what we're going for? Fine. And that um, but to your point, is that a good is that a good boxing? Good boxing even Beethoven? It sure isn't. Force. Maybe to calm down and regain your rhythm, I guess. But like, no. But also, that movie is is a fiercely underrated movie. It's it's it is a a relatively flawless. I mean, Nick Nolte got nominated for an Oscar for it for a reason. Better than any MMA movie has any right being. And I suggest you find the time to watch it. All right. I mean, I've got a billion streaming
0: services, so I I can definitely get around to that when I'm not. One thing I'm proud of this. Oof, yeah, only a twenty-four million gross worldwide. So. Got great reviews, so I think it's like eight point six
1: on like the ratings on IMDb. Yeah, not enough people. It's saw a pretty, that. it's a pretty fantastic movie, and one of the few movies that uh, I ball like a baby when I watch it. I cry hard when I watch that movie, and you'll it's understand why.
0: It's oh, I, I don't want to spoil it for the listeners because I know I've done enough. You know, I've talked to my wife about it. I'll read, I'll read stuff. There have been a couple times uh, I'll be watching a movie with her, and I'll like come in and watch it like for a few minutes and then leave. And, you know, because of what, you know, what you do professionally and what I do as a hobby, of just like overanalyzing stuff. I'll just know what's going to happen. So I'll be sitting next to her and go, I think this and this happens. And then I'll come back later. She's like, how did you know? I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah. It's always telegraph,
1: that stuff. Yeah. There's, there's so many stories you can tell. Yeah. When, when I'm watching stuff and I know what's about to happen, I'm like, oh, and she's like, what? And I was like, no, it's, it's nothing. And she's like, you know what's going to happen? And I was like, I'm pretty sure I do, but I'm not going to like ruin it for you. And she's like. Thanks. But anyway, the uh, the music. So so there are there are a couple of famous parts of that. Obviously, we have that Gillette, the, uh, you know, and it all has very vaudevillian sounding music to that, where you come in and it's like You know, you have that. And then you have the the training sequence which is the owl it
0: is. It is such a pity we don't have video of that. That was. It's that was awesome. So like you rock, rock out there.
1: Famously and racistly used as one of the most popular. Oh uh, yeah. Videos on YTMND. There was uh, So what's that one? YTMND? You're all the man now, dog. It was a early, early stages of the internet, like that sort of like Internet Two after it was dial up and what people would do is it was like looping images or GIFs with sound over it and i, I i'm not saying
0: neither of us is saying it i will say something that happened there was a, a singer that did a bunch of song remixes so he would play a bunch of old and yeah you know, he would either be one person record himself like six times playing a cool melody mm. and he had a few medleys where he went through a bunch of nintendo songs a bunch of saturday morning cartoon songs it's really fun stuff i think he got a real job because it's one of these you know youtube clearly blew up like viral and then you're like oh it hasn't updated in 10 years or whatever but when he gets to punch out because he sings the punch out the one you're talking about it is a slap in the face you're like what, what did you say he's like ah oh, i love this theme and
1: like wait no, not those words though. Not, yeah, not those words. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the, cause the scene is doc training on a bike and, and they would say N words stole my bike. And it became a very popular, unfortunately a very popular internet, sort of a, a, a meme before we knew what memes were. Now, and then we also have the, the, the which is, that's the what title about? Oh,
0: that's both before. And then also, it's there's, don't they end the continue on that when you lose, but then they still end it with a
1: happy note? If you to like, try again. I don't remember that specific one, but I remember. you're good like, at the game way. at this point. You don't get knocked down yeah.
0: third or sixth anymore.
1: When you win, when you beat Tyson, it's like, like, da da compliments you. He's nice about it in the end. He da 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 your finger speed is impetuous. You are an animal. You're going to eat my children. Praise be to N E F Allah. I'm being
0: able to stay on target or you, either of you, editing that show as much as you do
1: when you both go off. Like, I don't understand how one of you stays straight.
0: Which, which, which at Jeff West Batman. Oh, oh
1: yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised at how much isn't edited out of that show. I'm saying I'm, I, I would not be shocked if you told me. Either of you
0: would just have a breakdown laughing. And you're like, okay, well, we're going to cut, start again. Whenever
1: we break down laughing, we leave it in. It really So you, you, you both maintain a pretty good air of professionalism. We are professional. I mean, interesting. If, if, huh? if you've listened to Tom and Jeff watch Batman, though, there are times where we're trying to squeeze jokes out in the middle of laughing fits. It is, it is fun. It, it is a lot of fun doing that show. Tom Absolutely. and I make each other laugh so hard on that show it's and you, you
0: got it. like if you're a batman fan if you're a comedy fan you gotta why are you here and not there for
1: uh, i don't, you know. be here be here this is one be, be both places it's, be everywhere. Know, it, it's the, there's it's funny because all chemistry is different when you look at when you look at like the different shows you get on like my my chemistry with adam todd brown for example on unpops is this very playfully antagonistic relationship where we both have been working with each other for so long that we know every beat to take without even without even know we just we know we work really well together we're like the sklar brothers we just we're so synced up that we just know how to play off each other very well it's you know not a bad that
0: metaphor. metaphor wouldn't it have been the first like it's it's one of those i'm like that 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 reference works at, it 100 percent tracks i don't you know
1: don't know yeah. if it's the one i would have gone with but yeah, yeah. well the, because they're they're so ingrained into each other that they know how to play off each other perfectly. And, and that's, for example, Adam and I, so, so we don't always crack each other up all the time, but we, we know something is going to crack somebody else up and we play that out. Whereas Tom and I, we're a lot more surprising, even though we've been doing it for so long and we know each other's rhythms, we surprise each other with the bits that we come up with because it's such an open-ended world to make fun of and to go on a bit with. So, like, in that regard, like, you don't, you never know what rabbit hole is going to come out of Tom and Jeff Watch Batman. We don't. Like, almost every memorable bit on Tom and Jeff Watch Batman is nothing that shows up in the notes. Richard, I, I mean, you? I would be shocked, right? If, if you were
0: going into a show, it's like, all right, Batman's going to go on an adventure with Talia. You're like, okay, so I've got some stuff about Ra's al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul, however you want to say it. Yeah. In the middle, if, 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 if I was
1: reading a script, I'd go like... Excuse me, Jeff. What, what are you, yeah, There's um, no notes that's like, wouldn't it be funny if Killer Croc was a feminist or something like Like, it, we, we, it just things naturally occurred. And then because it's so sort of spur of the moment, hilarious, it ends up having a lot of memorable bits in very different situations.
0: And okay, all this started with you cracking me up with your greats, rocking out to the music. And what might, what might, if they had a voiceover on the game, because wouldn't, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that just like blow in your mind as you beat Mike Tyson's punch out? that screen comes up and then his voiceover saying those words.
1: Buddy, the, if you, if your first introduction to Mike Tyson was Mike Tyson's punch out and you saw what he looks like and you hear the and then you hear him talk later and he's like, I'm, I'm impetuous. I'm the greatest of all. And you're just like, that is not exactly at all what I was expecting that man to sound like. And then, I mean, at all, oh, we, we said this at the very beginning how he's short.
0: It's like, if you saw Mike Tyson on the street, if he was, you know, wearing like, just a, a jacket or something, right, something that, you know, may hit, you might fool yourself into thinking, nah, he's not so tough. That's what it really, I, I'm, I'm just saying, tell. really, ever? Like, you can tell. You can tell? Like, I mean, the way people it well, out, so you're able to I'll t- tell,
1: I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you a big hint as to whether or not somebody can handle themselves, watch them walking, see if their heels hit the ground. If their heels don't hit the ground. They have, generally speaking, some kind of fight training. Hmm. Because one of the major rules is that in boxing is you never let your heels hit the ground. Once you go flat-footed, it's, it's over. Oh, yeah, because oh. then you basically get planted in. And- so you, you train out to like, always have that spring in your step. So I had people that would make fun of me. Even people at like work, they would make fun of me when I was a teacher because my heels would never hit the ground when I'd walk around. And they would they'd be like that doesn't make sense and then it wasn't until one of my friends watched like a born identity or a, one of the born movies and he was just like man i was watching the the born supremacy or whatever and i noticed that he walks the exact same way you do and then i looked it up and it turns out that he studied how fighters walk and that's how he would walk through the whole movie so it's a very, was, was this a Boston friend or a Massachusetts friend? Cause it does not like, it's okay with Matt Damon. So it's, it's okay by you. I think it's just, of course, you know, it's a Massachusetts friend. Cause it was somebody making fun of how I walked without asking. Was oh, yeah, that I it that way? Somebody had like, I could be like, well, I have uh, bursitis and, and uh, nasty heel spurts. So, and they'd be like, Yeah, whatever you moron. But no, it was, uh, but it was definitely one of those things. Yeah. Where, but like Tyson, I think what you're thinking of is he's five ten. He's five. He's five. I mean, 220, which is, is, you know, solid muscle. (laughs) He's solid muscle. Like if you saw him in a in a a puffy jacket, you might be like, okay. but you'll see stuff like the neck. You see someone's traps being big. You look at their calves. They're like like, there's a zero percent chance if I ran into Mike Tyson, I'd be like I could I could do okay against this person. I've run into people in public where I was just like, all right, make sure that this person doesn't fuck with you because this person will kill you. In general, it's a good idea not to fuck with people, but you never know. I've seen it. I've seen stuff happen on the streets where I was like, can I get involved in this to put it down? And sometimes you'd see somebody and you're like, I can't do anything about this person. Like, I've seen it where like these big, massive people causing trouble. And I'm like, man, if I get involved in this, it's only going to get worse for everyone. Myself included. Right. I
0: was curious about one. So we talked. Any any other thing to to wrap up on music? Because I got a few other questions about the game.
1: I, I would say that the music is really great in that it's it's designed to be three minute or less chunks. There's thirty second chunks and three minute chunks, which is which is really good when you look at like other other games might have longer styles of of whatever. So, you know, something like a, a Zelda or something where you're in continuous play. This has This has scheduled breaks. And when I say three minutes, it's actually one round is a minute long in real people time.
0: Because, yeah, it goes goes three minutes officially. And then, yeah, there there are are interesting cases where you want to track the clock. And then there are also weird things. So, for instance, Super Macho Man, whenever he gets up and does a super tornado punch where he spins around a bunch, he stops the clock. And actually, that's a tell. You can watch the clock. The clock stops.
1: And as soon as it stops, you know he's going to be done and you can hit it in the face. Oh, yeah. I I always did it based on the sound. You'd hear a at the end. You'd hear the blah,
0: blah, blah, blah. So from the blah. I was going to say, I'm still not ideal at this, but I I did in preparation for the show, I kind of mentioned, I think last one, I hadn't beat Mike Tyson's butt I finally went and did it and I, I did it fair. So there is the ability to go straight to Mike Tyson if you have the code. To use a save state. So I practiced against Mike Tyson, but then I went through the game straight. I had to do it twice, but I had the continue code on Super Macho Man. So I am able to mm-hmm. defeat Super Macho Man and then defeat Mike Tyson. And so I'm like, I, I considered a win, but I, I didn't do it cleanly, right? I got knocked out. You're able to easily get knocked down two times in that first 90, 90 seconds. So you yeah. i'm play the game. Mike Tyson in the first 90 seconds, yeah. or as you're saying, it would be 40, it's a minute, first 30 seconds of the fight, so, so- throws these hits. And if it hits you, you're down. If you get through that he's very easy because he has very telegraphed tells and in the second round you can load up on stars really easily and they're really easy to land. so you basically get through the first 90 seconds you get him to very low health going to second round you knock him down immediately you pick up three stars you knock him down a second time he blinks his eyes in the middle of the round you hit him in the face you have another uppercut you knock him down if you follow a very conservative strategy it is very easy to beat mike tyson around the two minute mark of the second round. The pros can beat this game in two minutes, 20. That's the world record in the first round. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. perfect. That, that's an interesting combination of perfect dodging and also kind of old school video game where you could start hating speed running because I, I sent you a speed run one where some of it's just luck of the draw. So as an example, King Hippo, you were mentioning you had a lot of trouble with him. His pattern is he always just randomly will lift his arm and punch you three eighths of the time he will lift his arm open his mouth when he does that you can punch him in the mouth and you can actually in the game i think it's called like buffering you can just press eight times straight and you'll just hit him eight times in the gut Mm -hmm. and in the ideal scenario i said three eighths you have to hit it you have to have that sequence happen four times so you could have a perfect run at king hippo if
1: you three eighths race to the fourth. And I don't know the exact math, but it's a really low number. It's just hitting the lottery. The, the number is it's like one in like 8,000 or something like that. Yeah. Like, so it can happen. And you know, if you're a professional speed runner, it, you can
0: get the individual record on it very easily. If you're trying to do a full game speed run, you cannot count on King Hippo on getting a perfect score on King Hippo. That's just no, but all, all of that, you know, all of that timing and stuff happens. So with the professional speedruns, all of that, but I'm really curious, you know, your tell on Mike Tyson, on you being able to get through it and like how precise and good you are. Cause I, you know, I'm older. I was able to get through it, but I'm still like, yeah, I'm not great at this, but,
1: but I need it. We weren't speed running when we were, when we were doing it back in the day, what our thing was is, and my brother and I, our, our contest essentially was who can get the furthest without getting touched. That was That's- our, and like a lot of these strategies are, you have to get hit in order to get the max time. So actually, uh, yeah, on, on Sandman, as an example,
0: you do a, a combination of two things for the ideal speed run. Weird thing to do in between rounds, one time you're allowed to press select repeatedly and doc will rub, will rub your arm really fast mm-hmm. and give you more stamina for some reason. If you do that before the first round, while you're, while you're getting introduced, you lose half of your life. Mm-hmm. And against Mr. Sandman, the strategy is you intentionally lose half of your life. You get hit three times and go down. And that's required because the random number generator for him is anytime you go down in the first two minutes, he will do a certain pattern on you when you get up. But if you get by two minutes, he won't do it. He, he's not guaranteed to do it. So you need to guarantee you fall down while also hitting enough, getting enough hits against him. And the only way to guarantee that you do that is by starting with half-life.
1: Yeah. It, it it is very interesting because yeah we would see how far we could go without getting hit and then if say example we made it all the way up to like sandman and then one of us got hit we'd hit reset and we'd start back over holy cow like that was the game for us and it was fun like i remember we were because it was an nes so i remember we used to we were playing one time and it conked out where like all of the graphics turned into like blotchy squares And my brother still beat the second Don Flamenco without getting touched and got a star punch on him, which was very rare. And I remember because we weren't doing any of these like skilled things that everybody knew how to get the secret stars. We were just, you know, it was random. And I always remember that and just just that exact moment of watching him do that. And I was like, well, shit, how am I going to follow that up where I'm fighting cheese? What was who's after Sandman after? This Second on from and, my and go, right? Three, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so right. I was like, fuck. It's like, how am I gonna how am I gonna beat the sandman when it's all broken squares at this point in time? And yeah, just, just as more shout-outs, what I have to give a shout out is
0: there is a fantastic video by summoning salt on YouTube about Matt Turk. So this was kind of interesting in the early 2010s. The speedrunning community for Punch Out, there was just this iconic person that had all of these top scores. And this was kind of pre-the-YouTube boom. So I just put them all out. And this is kind of what I'm talking about. You know, you can go to the game, find out the stuff. And he kind of was just the person at Punch-Out and had all of these scores out. And they weren't verified. So it's kind of interesting. But people believe they were legit because he breaks down the strategy of code. As I kind of said at the very beginning, yeah. what's really nice is when you break down the code, it's like, I don't, I don't think it's cheating when it goes, okay, well, here's what happens. You, after two uppercuts on a lot of the later bosses, they stop. Letting you uppercut them. They just dodge automatically. That's built in the code. But you can hack around that by pressing up, fooling them, and then dropping up right before you hit them in the face because they are for the code behind them says, I have to put my hands up if you put your hands up. I have to drop mine when you drop yours. I automatically dodge when you hit me, but I don't have enough time between dropping my hands and dodging to avoid getting hit. So I get hit. That's how a lot of old collision yeah. detection work. But in punch out, it, it is almost the perfect Nintendo game in that sense in that the the glitches and tricks and all of that match the actual game itself because you yes, you are tricking the math, but the math you are tricking is a math that's saying, I'm supposed to be guarding you this way by watching what you are doing.
1: It's a feint. Yeah. In what boxing, in boxing, it's a feint. It's actually something that I when I started boxing and and was much younger and much faster, I was actually really good at, which was I would faint a jab to the face and then throw it to the gut so i I'd, I'd, I'd fake a jab to the head to get their guard moving and usually it might because at my age at the time and my experience level every, we were all very green and i knew that going in i knew that we weren't as well tested in knowing how to deal with stuff so i knew people would flinch a little bit or people would overblock. so i fainted a jab to the face and then i would throw it to the gut doesn't do anything. No damage. Jabs don't cause damage. You get a point, right? Or how, actually, uh, how does that box? Yeah, yeah, you get a point. But that was never the point. Not not a, in my points are a lot. I mean, yeah, they're important. But I was a heavyweight, and I was a I had a loaded right hand, so I was a knockout fighter. So what I did was I did it a couple more times to make him think that that was all I knew how to do was that one thing. And then on the third time, like a punch out character, I would fake that jab, and then I would fake it to the gut and they would immediately drop their hands which was my goal to get them to drop their hands and as soon as they dropped their hands I would flick the jab back up and come across with a straight right they had no hands to block because they had already dropped them down to block what they thought was going to be an obvious tell so fainting is a intensely important thing in boxing distractions in any way the Ali shuffle You know, where Ali would come in and he'd shuffle his feet to get you to look at him and then start peppering you in the head. Like, these are all things that people do. Fake, you know, faint left, strike right. It's all, it's all a part of it. So by adding these little, like, they're not glitches, but they're like, they are essentially punch feints. You're, you're, you're throwing, you're, you're fainting that you're going high, but you're throwing low. I got to shut this up too the person who does that video it's great is called summoning salt what is incredibly
0: humble about this person is he is the best mike tyson's punch out person in the world at this point It's all the records yeah he has all the records right so, but but he releases a documentary on this other person and like at any point it it wouldn't even be that that vain to go like and yeah when i you know when i beat that by 2 seconds i had a thing. but he, he doesn't do that he actually keeps the focus on the person which, which I, I I really appreciate. A lot of people that come and say it because it's a really
1: nice documentary on speedrunning, as it, well as the personal. Okay. It's it's actually more of a documentary about a community, yeah, than it is because it was one of the interesting things about that is instead of people chasing glory, you'd see groups that were working together. People that noticed one thing and they would inform somebody on their own they'd be like, Oh, I'm having trouble getting this and I was like, well, I noticed that if you do this, so try that. And they were working together, which is probably why this summoning salt guy isn't necessarily talking about his records, because it really, this story of chasing, well, it's, it's called and I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting what it's called specifically, it's like chasing or the quest to beat Matt Turk. It really took an entire community to figure out how to beat this guy. And I mean, that, that
0: both of those on their own are remarkable. And, but, and what I'll throw back, cause you were talking from the boxing side, I'm from a coding side, a lot of the glitch stuff and all that, when you're saying faints code, that's usually side effect. It's like, when you're going to have some code run, some stuff's just going to happen and you can't always avoid it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of the problem with old Nintendo. It's going, if I'm going to have a Goomba that automatically turns right, if it hits the wall, well, if you mess with it and I did encounter that, it's going to do something and it's going to look weird. That happens all the time. But a Mike Tyson's punch out when these kind of things happen, the side effect is you get a hit and you weren't supposed to, but that is what's supposed to happen. The the faint stuff you were talking about on the, the Box Square podcast, another show I do, I like talk chess every few episodes and I talk Josh Waitzkin all the time. Josh Waitzkin was a chess prodigy that went on to be a jujitsu master. And they, I forget it's called like si- silent hands or something, but where they kind of stand really close to each other. And it is fascinating because he wrote a book about that. He was talking the faint stuff too. And it was very, you're just like him. He's a world champion. Jeff, you, you and him. Just like the same. Him. The same. Basically. He would say the same thing where it's going, okay, you got your arm on them and they're expecting you to try and push. And so you kind of give a little pressure repeatedly. So they start expecting you to push. And what, then what he was saying, he'd do exactly what you do, is that you get them ready. You pretend you're, they're ready for it. They tense up and then they're, they're weak on the other side. Mm-hmm. And that exact same thing's happened to Mike Tyson's punch out and a community battle, which also is probably very similar to the fighting rules because... I know at least with a lot of fighters, right. They have an entourage of people around them that are doing a lot of stuff too. So punch out as we are agreeing
1: is the perfect boxing experience, except the music's a little off. I, I do love, I do like punch out as a boxing experience to be hundred percent honest. Like I do. It's so different because it's, it's an arcade game, even as an NES game, it's an arcade game. It's, it's turn-based. It's not the same as for example, like a knockout Kings where it's much more of a standard style of, of, of boxing itself of finding those ins and outs and not waiting for somebody and having to counter punch where mike tyson's punch out generally is until you start doing these speed runs and figure out that strategy i just it's just good and it's weird to me that the punch out franchise isn't massive because it's not there have been for home console games there have been realistically what three games well i mean it's funny you're in the same boat this is the feedback to to keep talking and promoting you
0: you do a lot of great stuff and you needlessly apologize for advertising which is what we were referencing earlier people didn't get that yeah. where you're saying sorry it's late or whatever props to the people in your in your support supporters on this the sponsor group <laughs> that that make fun of you for it but you'll say i'm sorry it's late and then the feedback is well i'm doing all this other stuff and now you've got your fans doing podcasts with you so it's even less time when you look at the people that were working on Punch Out, and you go, "Well, why did they make another one?" It's like, "Yeah, they went off and made Super Mario Brothers and Zelda and the Wii." And, and, and by the way, the Punch Out came back on the Wii. Yeah. So nine. So, but so, I mean, that, it, it makes a lot of sense. A lot of times when you see stuff you really like, and you go, "Why did they quit?" And sometimes you can look them up, and you're like, "Oh, they they didn't quit. They went and did yeah. other stuff." And that that's the real answer behind Punch Out: why there wasn't more of them.
1: It. But it's it's interesting to me that it's. It's such a it's such a I want to say it's in the zeitgeist punch out is one of those games that that has cemented itself in the zeitgeist more than other games that have gotten bigger pushes. And you do forget that you're right, that it's not like the demand for it wasn't there. It's just that other things were being made. And when you think about it, because like when you think about what came out of the NES, you know, when you look at like games like Zelda and how many sequels do you have to Zelda? final fantasy super mario brothers all these things that have these masks but like we seem to forget how big mike tyson's punch out was at the time to never get an nes sequel to get super punch out eventually which was essentially a synthesis of the two arcade games mixed together then to wait what another 15 years before we get it on the week yeah, that was, I mean, there was Super Punch-Out on the Super, which you already mentioned.
0: Yeah, that was Probably, what, like 98. Four? There were, is that right? I'm, I'll take a look in just a second. And I'm trying to look up. Yeah, so Punch-Out was the number seven. This is actually kind of embarrassing. It fell behind world-class track meet, but I think the trick with world-class track that meet was, was game. it was bundled, yeah. So it's one of the top non-bundled. And it looks, I mean, what, what seems likely, unless I'm mistaken, it sold 3 million copies. What likely happened is they made 3 million, released
1: 3 million, and said, we're good. So, in terms yeah. of success, it's it's one of those things though that it's like, well, if they made three million, it outsold Metroid and it outsold Super Mario Brothers too. So, yeah, okay. And so Metroid, how many Metroid games?
0: A billion, right? And some, some horrible ones, like which, which like, why you were you, you had the Metroid franchise and you did the Samus one, which interesting idea but core execution. Why they're doing what? They're working on Prime Four now. I I don't know. I mean, I'm way yeah. behind. And Metroid was never. Metroid was never a game I was a huge fan of. I, I, I didn't really like it. So, so, but you have Metroid.
1: Then you have Metroid 2 for the Game Boy. Then you have Super had, Metroid's and no, Metroid. And that was like the greatest, right? Then you had Metroid Prime on the cube. And then it just, and, and I believe also like the DS had one. And they're, they're like going everywhere. Like it's all over the place. Punch same out with the Zelda have, games. Same with the, the Super Mario Brothers games. Yeah. So Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, you have 1987. Seven years later, 1994 in September, you get super punch out. What was the release date? September 14th. So, Ah, okay. This would have been interesting. Jeff, Uh, that, that just missed my birthday. So that would have been really weird. What's your birthday? 15. Ooh. All right. And then we had to, so, so it's like, we had to keep doubling our wait list because we wait seven years for a sequel on a new console. Then we wait, double that we wait 15 years. For it to release and two consoles we have to skip because we have to skip over. So it went from NES to Super NES, then Super NES to Wii. So the GameCube got ignored to get Punch Out. And then he shows up in he shows up as a broken character in in Smash Brothers. Oh, who's your Smash Brothers character of choice, by the way? No, I don't play. <sighs> no. So I'm here's the thing: is that I tend to be an Xbox guy. And also I tend to avoid modern gaming because it is massively addicting and I I can't afford to do that. Yeah. Well, you were mentioning on the last show, the kind of quick one, the nice part about Super Smash Brothers, that is one you can kind of
0: come in and come out. But it is also hyper, hyper addicting in that you come in for 10 minutes and you're like, God damn it, I'm going to, that guy knocked me off. Kirby hit me. You played as Kirby and you hit me off. I'm coming back.
1: Every time I tried to play that game, I always play against people that play it all the time. And I I still don't even fully know how to play the game because like the percentages, like where it's like 300% of what, like when you see like the there's like whatever the health bar is on on something like Smash, where I'm just like, I don't know what the health situation is in this game. I don't understand it. And that's just, you know, if I'm going to play a fighting game, for example, it's going to be Marvel versus Capcom 2 and god that's a good game
0: nice yeah i, I was a street fighter 2 guy really liked that one and didn't really go much further than than those i remember remember mortal Kombat having blood on the consoles was a big deal oh yeah but yeah, only
1: on one was, console though
0: yeah oh yeah oh yeah there's uh, only on sega with the uh, console wars goes huge in depth on that great book and i, I actually was the the documentary the documentary series mm-hmm. yeah and yeah it's yeah. great the author is blake j harris by the way Yeah. Oh yeah. I was going to finish one other comment on like, why not more punch out? And actually this, when I was looking this up about the last one that came up, I think I think it showed up in that, that video I was talking, the gaming historian, he actually mentions that the guy, and I don't want to get the name wrong. So, you know, I'll put it on the show notes or you can go check the link for Mike Tyson's punch out on the Wikipedia page was a super high up at Nintendo. So I think it was a case where this was kind of the creation of two super higher ups. Mm -hmm. and it might have been that did not have time to work on it or focus on it and there was the i don't want to touch you know the people's babies that you know aren't mine so i think it took until the we where someone said am i allowed can can i do this and
1: the other guy said i think it was done perfectly but go with my blessing i think that that also i think that was another thing about like the ghouls and ghosts franchise is that it kept being like traded off to people or something like there was like a problem with that as well where like not wanting people not wanting to like insult the original designers and stuff like that but it just it seemed to me like such a money maker for such a relatively simple like look think about from an animation perspective how much you're saving on not animating backgrounds the same way that you well, yeah
0: i'm sorry to cut you off so quick, yeah. but on box or geek show we talk a lot about economics and sports because that's how we kind of got our start Mm-hmm. And I hate to tell you this, when you when you look at big franchises and big companies, and you're like, man, why did they do this? It seemed like it would have made so much money. It seemed like it would have been such a good idea. The frequency that that fails, including at high levels or or even seemingly well-run and smart companies, is much higher than you. So when you're like, yeah, it seems like a no brainer. Why did they just want money? And I mean, think about how many movies you all talk about where using rudimentary film analysis. So not not to be mean, like. You have experts in film that you talk to regularly, you know, went through film school and all of this, write mm-hmm. scripts, et cetera. And they'll go like, okay, well, a one one way you could have improved this script, Dave Bell does this all the time, is this. And you're going, so you're telling me they gave this a hundred million dollar budget and then scrimped on, you know, a script writer that you could have gotten as an intern from, you know, USC for 20,000 or something.
1: It's, it is really one of those things where. I get that. But also at the same time, it's such a tried and true moneymaker. If you're looking at Mike Tyson's punch out or punch out in general selling what 3 million copies, let's say for the sake of argument that 2 million of those were sold at full retail. So that would have been what 60 bucks around there. So you're looking at 120 million. Then we'll say let's pretend that the punch out re-release in 1991 or 1990, which sold, I believe they sold them for 20 when they came out. So let's say another million. So that's another 20 million. So you're looking at 140 million for that. That's proven success. And again, was—I w I didn't think I was going to get this in,
0: but let's, let's throw out another thing. So one of the tie-ins my Tyson's punch out did was with captain N. one of the worst television, I don't know. Send your thing. mouth shut your goddamn mouth. Okay. Uh, Listen, so Jeff, we grew up on the same shows. Like I, I I want that clear, like He-Man, Captain N, I love these. And like with both of them, when I have revisited, it's rough, but there is stuff I revisit. One of your hot takes on Tom and Jeff watch Batman is that Batman, the animated series is not as great as people remember. Now you're very, you're very, uh, Repeating you, so tell me if I get your thesis wrong. But you basically point out it was amazing, it was groundbreaking, it has some flawless episodes, but it has a lot more bad episodes and misses than you might remember. A lot, a lot of people yeah. and a lot of that happens with our childhood. Where you go back, and in some cases you go back to Batman, the animated series, and you're like, okay, there this isn't as clean as I remember, but oh my God, this is brilliant. And there's some stuff you go back to from your childhood. I would say He-Man
1: just skirts that line into that so bad. It's good. It's still enjoyable, but it is. He-Man's rough. He-Man is, for something that I am surrounded by from a decorating and collecting perspective, I am very aware of how not great He-Man. When the box set came out, I was so excited and I bought it.
0: And the one good case of it is me and some friends went to a party where we got drunk. And when you're drunk, that is hilarious. I imagine when you're high, that's hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> but like trying to watch that sober, I couldn't. And I ended up just giving, you know, I mentioned, I, you know, move across country. I just gave it to my brother. I was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't need it. I'm not even going to transfer the disc to my, you know, portable case. You, 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 have it, you know, it's pretty, right. You can the the DVD set. The box art is pretty. So put that on your wall. I was like, I, I've had enough. I, I still need to watch the new one, which is apparently pretty good. You were mentioning that. It it's all exciting. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's because they gave it a plot. No oh, interest, you know, as opposed to just like I think there are ones where Skeletor at the beginning just says something. Like, I, I've got it. I've, I've done it. Like done what? He's like, I'm going to fight him. What are you talking about, Skeletor? <laughs> but anyway, bad. TV I'll shows. get Cap- him. That's pretty good. You got some. You got some good sounds from the '80s, Jeff. Well, a odd. bunch of ringtones. But uh, Captain N, horrible TV show time. So we're talking about like how did Nintendo mess up Punch Out? Well, if you look at Captain N, the premise, by the way, for those that don't know, is this stereotypical high school. I can't tell if he's supposed to be a jock or a nerd, but he's wearing a letter, let, a letterman's jacket. It's like, Nintendo. it's in an, it, it an N. And it's got an N on it. And I don't know if that school's
1: supposed to be N or it's for Nintendo, but the insinuation is he's Captain Nintendo. Yeah, well, they made a smart move. They actually, so Captain N is actually a very smart sort of existence because they couldn't put the word, you'll notice the word Nintendo is not used at all in the title In the music, they never mention Nintendo. The reason for that, and I would like to shout out, I think I got this information from Dan Larson. If you follow Toy Galaxy or you watch their stuff, he does really great, you know, sort of 25-minute deep dives on on history. He's very entertaining. And also, he's a professional nerd from New England. Huge fan. He brought up that because of the regulations that were reestablished in advertising for cartoons in the 90s after they sort of had to start undoing a lot of what reagan was doing they skirted around making this essentially a commercial for nintendo by never mentioning nintendo and saying you can't say that we're advertising nintendo when we never even mentioned is the that also okay so I, I had another comment on that so in the beginning he's
0: playing nintendo he's playing punch out ironically same same boxer you said you had a problem with king hippo he's terrible he's yeah. he's, he's he's down to one hit away King Hippo has not got. He has not landed a hit on King Hippo. He's in round one at about two. Game
1: minutes. master my ass.
0: Yeah, exactly. So and then he he's supposed to be sucked in to help help out to I don't know mother brains doing something. I I briefly looked it up, Jeff. I can barely it, remember.
1: It's the it's the 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 multiverse Tron, of right?
0: NES. Yeah. It's Tron plus a, mul- uh, plus a Nintendo multiverse, right? He gets sucked into the machine to help them defeat the, the evil. Yeah. yeah. But he's, when he gets sucked in, he's playing Punch-Out and getting destroyed, and his dog is watching him. When they get in, King Hippo is a character in the game. They have a picture of King Hippo in the intro, who, you know, is tan-colored. He's supposed to be from a made-up island. When you get into the game, he is blue mm-hmm. and has a crown. Which, you know, I mean, I guess he is a king, but you know, wasn't it? He has in the a game. crown in the in the does he have oh, the interstitial in the stales, yeah. He does. Okay. All right. So I get I guess I guess I'll give him to that but he looks a little different and Mega Man looks a little different. They all look a little off. And is the logic that they use maybe to go, these are characters inspired by, they're not the actual characters, same idea?
1: Mm, I think it's more taking because Mega Man is a- actually looks a lot like sort of if you were to look at Mega Man's sprites on like the early NES and like synthesize the Mega Man box art with the Mega Man gameplay. Cause remember he's, he's an Astro boy, he's an Android. I guess he makes sense. The, The big thing with Mega Man is he had like a visor and he was, he was short and he had like, he was like more of like a greenish and he had a visor. I'm getting was green, was he? I thought he was like human-colored, or am I wrong? Or
0: are you talking on the show itself? Okay, on, that's what you're On saying. on Captain at his armor was kind of greenish, right? I think that's right. Yeah, he didn't quite look like Mega Man and Doctor. That's the the there is a Punch Out overlap where they go to Punch Out World because they're training for an Olympics, and smart things the enemies do, and the they're, they're fighting for an Olympic fight against our heroes, and they they just bring Donkey Kong, and that that's a good idea. <laughs> and it's really hilarious because i watched way more of this than I, five minutes, which was too much, but I watched five minutes of the episode just to get like, what's it about? And they're trying to cheat to beat the heroes to, well, they're pulling a heist. And then the, uh, the underlings to Mother Brain are going, we can just beat them. Why do you want us to cheat to win? But when they're training, they're trading in the punch out gym with none of the other punch out characters, barring King Hippo. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, the one multiverse overlap with punch out.
1: Because the there was King Hippo. King Hippo was was a a lieutenant in Mother Brain's army along with Eggplant Wizard from Kid Icarus. And Kid
0: Icarus is a character in the in the show as well.
1: Yeah, which is not his name. His name is Pitt in the video. Really? video. Huh. Uh, the character's name is Pitt. They call him Kid Icarus, which is the name of the game. Simon mm-hmm. Belmont looks nothing like Simon Belmont. They basically made him kind of look like a he kind of reminds me the energy that he brings is like a deflator mouse from the tick oh yeah all all bark no bite kind of super vain but not very useful you know he's like he's like the anti-indiana jones kind of a thing in there whereas you know in the video games he's a stoic warrior wearing like goldish plate armor or something like that or, or whatever it's so different, but that's okay. You want to take artistic license. You want to make things. They don't have to necessarily look exactly the same. Mega Man had its own very great cartoon on, I remember seeing it on Sunday mornings, a couple of years later. Yeah, I mean, Mega Man was good. I think there was also an overseas one that was good.
0: One of the most infamous things about Mega Man, I made a tweet about this, where you take the box art from the original, the North American box art. It was one of the worst transitions ever. And I, I compared it to, you know, the famous statue of Jesus that gets yeah, that's messed right. up.
1: Yeah, Mega Man's it. box art is wild. And then Mega Man 2's box art, they just made it look like a weird Logan's Run-esque energy where he's just got like a pistol. Yep. And it's very funny. Mega Man box art is classic. And I do hope at some point in time we will cover Mega Man. Well, I was going to say, I know, I know pre-show we talked you were pretty pretty loaded we got
0: to the tangents i wanted to and got through all the subjects unless you had you know i mean i there might be one or two songs you haven't done from the game so is there anything else you want to end i have one ending segment that we can you know kind of do the wind down
1: no it's good like this game is one of those games that i'm actually flabbergasted that it took seven years for a sequel and then another 15 years for a second sequel i understand that they were out doing things but I'm sorry, but an N64 punch out game would have done well, like better. They were working on what pilot wings. N64
0: is definitely one of those where it didn't have the same total, but you know, some of the, the hits from there, including Ocarina of Time, we've talked yet to play, but it's amazing Ocarina of Time, Super Mario World, GoldenEye,
1: Star Fox. You could probably say like those four are like, they had of- a, t- they had a toggle. They could have done a punch out game with a toggle, meaning it would have been a lot better for like the movement of the character. They didn't do that. And I'm actually I'm really bummed that they never did. I think I think a a game like a game with a toggle, like a Mike Tyson's punch out game with a toggle, which we never really got. Because remember, when it got to the Wii, you're you're using Wii things, which has a toggle on, on one of the one of the secondary pieces that you get but it's motion based and actually that's for
0: one one little like quick thing for speedrunning. there is like a fake toggle and that's one of the keys behind the game is basically you press left and you immediately press either up or right to reset quick but you're you know it, it really does a number on your thumb actually i'll say like my thumb was yeah. getting sore when i went through and beat it you know again so there we go Okay, so Jeff, I'm gonna use the Mega Man thing in a second as a nice outro, but I, I wanna end with one, one last segment I had for the show that I had planned. So Doc Lewis is a boxing trainer in the game. You too are a boxing trainer. One of the parts of this game is in between rounds, Doc Lewis gives advice. So I'm curious as a boxing professional, your opinions on his advice. Okay. okay. This is from punchout.fandom.com,
1: by the All by right, way. All right, give me the advice, out. give me, I'm gonna close right. my eyes and picture it. I'm in the middle, I'm after round one. Okay. Who, who are you fighting who, who's this advice after so uh, that'll be obvious i think he i'm just so. i'm picturing it against some just anybody that i'm okay just, uh, just another, all, another. All, all right stick and move stick and move yeah no shit dude <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah no i got that all right next one you right you love that you're gonna love the follow-up put them away
1: that is good advice if you don't if you're not noticing that somebody's about to drop and the advice sometimes a coach needs to see something, and they might know that, oh, in a war of attrition, you need to be on the offense right now because he will drop. so that means they're about to go. Well, and you might my I have another
0: weird college story somewhat related to that. So in college, stupid college kids, somebody brought boxing gloves, and they were doing hall boxing. and I went and did it. Now, this was a very Mike Tyson's punch out because I think I was you know two hundred plus at the time. And whoever I was fighting, I think he was probably 150, but we went for one round. You know, they did do three minutes and I was just gassed. It is amazing how much energy boxing takes out of you, especially if you're an out of shape computer nerd. And I knew I was like, I'm not going to make another round. So I just went out and swung hard. I actually feel really bad knowing all the CTE stuff now in in hindsight, I hit him. We were in dam walls, a dorm room. So it's not a boxing room. Knocked him, he he hit the wall and went down. He got back up, so I mean, at least it's not full, but probably still wasn't good. No. Nope. But I was I was briefly a boxing champ in my dorm hall, which was very atypical and it actually confused my friends because when I went out to dinner, the people on the same floor were cheering me. And they're like, What
1: what are they talking about? And I was like, you know, I'm a boxer, but wanna know. That's that's all I did. you got that in there, yeah. It's such a different thing to see when you see those like kind of tough manny fights where people that don't necessarily have a lot of experience are, are throwing and they throw those wide shots. And as a boxer, when you see it and you're like, I would kill these people. You have to like, it's very hard to like stay away from those kind of events. Cause you're just like, I don't want to.
0: Well, I don't know if i want to, I don't know if I'm breaking K or if he's being serious, but on some of the unpopular opinion shows, when you talk with Chet wild, he'll joke about boxing you and like surprising you. And it is a lot of, as with many athletic things, you're going the difference between someone who has trained and done this. And an amateur is so vast, especially when you count the, the height the discrepancy between you two. It's like, no, there, there is no world where you, can, where you would be able to compete or Chet Wilde would be able to compete against Jeff May
1: it, at yeah, all. But, yeah, but weekend that, that could be yeah, it's a joke. Yeah. It's a full joke because, you know, when you talk to us, right, he has to know, right? Brian Scalabrini, yes, Brian Scalabrini made a great reference. If you don't know Brian Scalabrini, he was sort of like a a, an official bench player. He was very popular because he took the nickname White Mamba. He was just a big, tall, goofy, white, gingery dude that played for the Celtics. He was like their mascot. And people would always try to challenge him to ball. And he finally he said in an interview, or I forget what it was, but he's like, You need to remember, I'm closer to LeBron than you will ever be to me. So that I've actually written about that. That was the Brian Scalabrini challenge. Yeah. And it
0: was where he found four basically college players that were good and played them one-on-one. And I think he destroyed them, you know, something like 40 to four. I think like they only score to combine four points, funny boxing story. When he talked about the behind the scenes, he actually said as a professional basketball player, it's not all about athleticism. You know, you look at Brian Scalabrini and you think, oh, I'm bigger than him or I'm stronger than him. Not many people taller than him, of course, and he's going. What he has learned over time is detecting feints, detecting tells. That's what basketball players are doing, right? Like the really good yeah. ones are, are, are boxing where they're fainting with their left hand. So you, you get tripped up. You know, of course, Allen Iverson has one of the most infamous, I oh, oh, Jordan, oh, where he, okay, uh, Jordan's
1: ankles, basically. The other thing about uh, boxing too, is it's a lot of geometry. I mean, uh, basketball, there's so much geometry to it that people don't necessarily understand that the, the immediate quick thinking of geometry, the equations that people do in their heads to take a shot. I don't think people understand that, and play, and it's interesting. You said jam yeah, which I'd be I mean,
0: boxing seems similar, right? You're talking about hooks or where you want to be or placement. So, I mean, boxing
1: more a general ball, quick thinking boxing. on spatial reasoning. Boxing is a lot of fifty percent planning and fifty percent reflex, and and you know, I'm when you, when you talk about the mental game. Interesting. Um, but yeah, put them away. That's not bad advice if you're if you don't think you're winning. And they let you know, like, you better hurry up and put this guy down. He's about to drop. All right. I'll try to get through the other ones without a 10. Here we go. We got it. Dancing like a fly, bite like a mosquito. Just, just the Pepsi version of what Muhammad Ali said. Yeah, exactly. He says, I don't want to get sued. All right. Tim. Keep your guard up. That's good advice especially if you are someone like me with heavy hands that sometimes you forget like i'll watch video because i'll do video when i'm boxing i'll take video sometimes of me doing heavy bag stuff and i'll notice that like sometimes especially late after a workout because i do the videos after my actual workout that i come in and i'm throwing my jabs from my shoulder when i should be throwing them from my kind of like my cheek and that means that if i'm throwing them from my shoulder that i'm not protecting the left side of my face all right so keep your guard up that's good advice. Okay. Watch his left. I mean, if he's throwing, I mean, you should always be watching their lefts, but yeah, right. that's fair. The lefts are generally the jabs and then the yep. power shots on there. So yeah, I mean, that's standard advice. Okay. One, two, one, two, punch, max. That would be, I guess, good if you know that the person isn't recovering well. So if somebody is a fighter and you know that they're not good at getting their hands up. So a one, two, one, two is a good straight combo of doing damage and then be, allowing yourself to escape. So it's it's quick damage followed by a step back. All right, I'll take
0: it. Okay, listen, Mac, give him a fast uppercut when he's stunned.
1: I mean, that's that's good advice, but that's pretty standard. Yeah, give him a give him give him an uppercut when someone's stunned. Yeah, we hit the hit them when they're stunned. Yeah, that's good advice. All right listen mac dodge his punch then counter punch that's good i'm not again it's standard advice it's that's more of a training thing than anything dodging is different it's different i wasn't a dodger like so i was i was a heavy bag when i would fight i take a lot of damage but i give out more and because of my size there are certain moves that I'm not necessarily good at. We talked earlier about Mike Tyson when he would do the peekaboo where he'd move around and stuff like that at my height. That's me offering you my head because I'm so tall that dipping isn't necessarily a smart thing for me to do because I was generally fighting people that were two inches shorter than me. So dipping means I'm making myself more accessible. Hmm. So dodging is, you know, dodge then countering that's not bad advice but dodging in of itself is it's one of the harder parts of boxing
0: for little mac that's like the only strategy that has any hope because even that's what's funny is even at his size and this happens in the game sometimes you're allowed to dot you're allowed to block which would break your your and your brother's rule about not taking any damage because you (laughs) take a minute about that's misleading because it's like if if little mac does this to mike tyson which by the way is one of the strategies one of the, the last fight against mike tyson in round two you block. He punches you. You jab him in the stomach. You get a star. You, you're allowed to do that. In reality, if Mike Tyson punches you, even a jab at that, you're you're, you're if, taking damage. It's if not, you're 107
1: it's pounds not. for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Listen, Mac.
1: Catch him off guard to stun him, then unload on him. I mean, again, that's standing train standard training. But the yeah. idea of getting someone stunned and then being able to just go after him—it's funny because. Combo fighters, when you look at heavyweight fighters, for example, Muhammad Ali is a combo fighter, somebody that unloads on them. Whereas when you look at somebody like a Tyson or even past that, when you look at somebody like a Lennox Lewis, these are power men that damage you. Like Ali never really had like one punch knockouts. So he was a combo fighter. That little Mac would also be like. Ali wasn't particularly strong for a heavyweight, whereas Tyson Lewis, people like that absolutely are. So in that regard, you know, yeah, you might, I, I'm, I wasn't a person that threw a lot of, a lot of combos. I was a lot of unloading combos. I was power. So what we're almost saying here is that if doc found you and offered to train you, he'd be kind of a use at this point, it seems like 50, 50. He might bring me into a style of boxing that I wasn't used to. He's next to yes, you can Mac and hang in there Mac in response to, I can't win, doc and I'm tired doc. Yeah. I mean, that's that's, reassurance yeah yeah i mean that's it's his job to do that but sometimes you get a roberto duran situation where you're just like i don't think i can keep going <laughs> like
0: the, the 30 for 30 the the what is it i can't remember what it's called i don't know if it's called, I I think think it's called in Mas. oh no Mas? yeah that's it's great i love that one and i also love watching boxing documentaries where you have fat out of shape old guys like man he was just you know this guy he not athletic enough and you're like yeah good 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 analysis i mean
1: they the best analysts are people that didn't necessarily play the game
0: but Be- better you know, better apply like, to me because...
1: there, there are there are people that know exactly what to do i think about that all the time when they talk about george foreman's comeback and it's all these people that are like can this old piece of trash do it and he was like two years younger than i am right now and yeah. it just makes me feel so ancient all right this is always one of my favorite joy you know the nintendo... it is. wait can i say it okay join the nintendo fun club today mac it's fun. I thought it was, okay, this is blowing my mind. I thought it was fan. It's fun. Isn't it's the fun club. I mean, did I get it wrong? No, you, you know, you, we're reading from the same source and I'm I not reading. The nerd I'm, I'm not book. reading from it. I don't have it up. What? That's, that's in my brain. I've been waiting for you to bring that one up. So, I mean, I will trust super nerd,
0: Jeff May and super nerds on the internet, punch out up. You might've written this article, Jeff, for all we know with how much we're showing, you know, the game. It's fun club. I did not know that. I'm glad I let you say it. I, th- I would have said fan and you would have corrected me. Yeah. Or I could, I could admit it. Now everybody knows regardless. <laughs> All right. For you, this would have been useful. Don't give up, Max. He has a weakness. King hippo intermission. Now, why he didn't tell you that before in the first round yeah. is questionable, but you know, useful. Four left. Ya. We're almost okay, there. Four left. All right. All right. Okay. Don't give up, Mac. Make him close his big mouth, big hippo again. Why didn't he tell you that ahead of time? His father was a great magician in India. Don't be charmed by his magic punches.
1: That um, I got a lot when I was fighting. You you never you never put him away in the first round. The no 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 no. I mean, great. when I was an actual boxer, my my coaches used to tell me that all the time.
0: They'd oh be, yeah, so there there are all those really great Indian boxers that use magic. That's
1: all those thing. all those those uh, light heavyweight Indian boxers. You know the. the
0: use magic yeah i do remember great tiger i never knew the trick which was you just block and he hits you and then he eventually is dizzy and you punch him in the face i figured that went out really quickly actually i never figured that out i actually remember thinking about the game off cycle right this is one of the first games where i was like thinking about it like how i could do it and like how to dodge right i remember that anyway too much mac watches bull charge then stand up to him again. He knows the secrets to these guys, but he doesn't tell you before round one. That's kind of interesting. He Last just didn't
1: one hit him in the gut. Don't stand up to him. That's standing up to him. That's too, well, I guess that's if that's you, too cryptic. If he's like stand up to him, I'd like watch him t- charge just be like, I'm not afraid of you. As I get an uppercut that takes my head off my goddamn neck. Yeah. And
0: retires you. I mean, that's yeah, definitely. Last one look for two types of spin punch. Watch him. This is in regards to Super Mach Man. All right. I briefly, that <laughs> one a little longer than I thought, but. Definitely
1: good boxing advice. I've got through everything, Jeff. and I know we're at time, so uh, do we want to do the wind down? Let I mean, let's do it, guys, folks. If you if you enjoyed this, by all means, please check out Punch Out or Mike Tyson's Punch Out. It's a very fun game if you've never played it. If you did, I like that. I like that a lot. And uh, hopefully, we're going to be doing more of these. I love these deep dives into these retro games that were so important to me growing up. Punch Out might be the most important vintage game that I've ever played. It it it's something that i've played lovingly my entire life since i got it i still play it to this day uh it's a nice thing to plug in and 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 get with i found myself liking it so much and 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 being obsessed with boxing that i started doing it in college like i i loved it and i really do enjoy this and the history behind it and and sort of like how it it came about because of a glut of of monitors is You know, like necessity breeds invention, and and this is this is great. I love that. I love that. I think necessity is the mother of invention. Is the correct one?
0: That's that's a great invention. You should patent
1: that, trademark it. You know, putting on shirts. Jeff lands. I'm really glad to have done this. This is great, and 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 it really is something to also to clear the air about why it went from Mike Tyson's Punch Out to Punch Out. I think is a important important. A lot of people misunderstand that history of it. The speed running aspect of it was wild. Seeing how fast some people were beating this game, watching the videos and watching people do it and seeing people like lose their minds over it was really exciting. I'm into it. I love it. So if you liked that and and you want to check out more stuff from me, you can check out Jeff Has Cool Friends, which is available for free everywhere. But if you wanted a week early with uncensored episodes and bonus content, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Jeff for that. The aforementioned Ug Fine with Kim Crawl, as well as more things coming along their way. I try to do as much as I can for that. You can also check out Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Network, as well as Unpopular Opinion and You Don't Even Like Sports, both on the Unpops Network. Trey, what about you? All right. Well, actually starting to get back in
0: the groove. If you go to the box Score Geeks show, you can find that iTunes stitcher, wherever fine podcasts are found every two weeks myself and Brian Foster release an episode on basketball. So that's back. Happy to be back in the groove. Welcome back. Also, this has definitely got me interested. So on the off weeks on twitch.tv forward slash RicksterGT, this is usually Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which would be tonight, but that doesn't help any of you in the future. Uh, we'll tonight be play- as of recording, so. Yeah, we'll be playing Mega Man 4, so you can see who won that. I'm currently down two to one. I lost Mega Man 1, I lost Mega Man 3, I won Mega Man 2, so if I want any hope of tying the series, I need to win Mega Man 4 tonight. <laughs> i mean twitter as nerd Dippers. and then yeah the foreseeable future i can tell you on air jeff is at least another couple months oh uh, yeah as the world steeps going with it as long as like my, my sincere hope is very much like punch out you get invested in other things and say you don't have time for it and then also people in 10 years go man that nerd podcast with jeff may was great why didn't he make more of that and the secret is like you had a million other more important things to do
1: that's hey, the hope but if that doesn't more happen if if you're if you're doing this if you're producing this show. This is important. All right, I'll take it. I make sure that that uh, you got to know that that is very important. And again, yeah, you can also find me at Hey There Jeffro on on Twitter and Instagram, and I have some. I'll be putting some stuff up on my YouTube, so you can check out that soon if you want to. You have some boxing. Do you have some boxing stuff on your Instagram? I don't. Oh, on my Instagram? Yeah, I post some boxing videos and stuff on my Instagram. Ironically, I'll be doing some unboxing stuff on- Oh, very nice. On YouTube. So
0: we got that going for us. That was pretty good. All All right. right, Well, thanks so much. We'll, We'll see you
1: next month. Okay, bye. Bye.
0: Next month on Nerd, our hosts continue the trend of poorly adapted Nintendo characters that appeared in Captain End. The subject, Mega Man 2. If history repeats itself, the game will have a nostalgic history to both hosts with a slew of geeky knowledge to accompany it. Tune in to find out.